Welcome. You're listening to Sanseet. Where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine. To become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Erin O'Dowd. Hello, welcome on today's show of Sansi Ivatlina Rose. She is an intuitive medical person. Hello and welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today. How did you get into becoming an intuitive person in the medical field? I began actually probably as a child. I was always interested in medicine and very intrigued by you know everything medical. I asked Santa Claus for a stethoscope when I was seven years old or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until quite a bit later in life I realized I didn't want to be a doctor. I really wanted to be more a part of the healing journey or the healing process. So it wasn't until quite a bit later, I actually was in my early 30s, when uh, I was introduced to energy medicine. And I happened to be in the United States at a perfect time when psychoneuroimmunology and mind-body medicine was really coming to the forefront. Uh, I lived in New England at the time, so I was really privileged to be able to be with doctors in Yale and Harvard and so forth who were bringing about mind-body medicine, Bernie Siegel at Yale and, and Herbert Benson at Harvard. And I had an opportunity to um, begin being trained in, initially in Reiki and energy medicine. It was just one of those magical times in my life. Everything just sort of came into uh, place for me. And as I began developing my practice uh, in energy medicine, I became really interested and more aware of the intuitive aspect. It was really a, an evolution of sorts, if you will, becoming a medical intuitive. Uh, was really a part of my my being uh, a practitioner in energy medicine, uh, doing hands-on work and so forth, which you've done as well. It just became uh, um, the medical intuitive aspect of my practice just just naturally evolved, and I was very privileged to be mentored, meaning uh, in the U.S. by our grandfather of holistic medicine, Norm Sheely and trained with him as well and have been exposed to quite a few interesting people like Caroline Mace and others who have had experiences as medical intuitives. You must have found it interesting to work with all these well-known names in this field. Oh, it was wonderful exposure because I'm not, uh, one of the things I say about myself, Erin, is I'm not a formula girl. So as you know, there there are so many uh, really wonderful bodies of work, uh, Barbara Brennan and Reiki and so many different kinds of energy work and uh, modalities, but I've never been a formula girl, meaning I am really there for my client at that time. And if I have some tools in my toolbox that are right 
for them at that particular time and their healing, then that's where we start from. And yes, I feel very blessed and grateful to have had input from from some really uh, wonderful and important people in in the field as I have uh, evolved in my practice. How did you and your your mentor meet each other? Oh, um, we have a wonderful uh, organization that puts on conferences twice a year, and it's an organization involved in behavioral medicine, one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast. And I volunteered uh, at one in California one year, and my job was to take care of various presenters. So that year, I met Bell Ruth Neprostek, who's pioneer in, in guided imagery, and I met Norm Sheely. And Norm and I just, you know, hit it off right away, and I've been friends and colleagues since. And I've, you know, personally, much later, trained with him at his university in, in Missouri and so forth. And he's just been a, a really uh, important influence in my life. How did his influence help you in your practice and life? He is a famous uh, neurosurgeon and MD, and so has a very uh, strong medical approach to the intuitive process. He actually uh, certifies people as medical intuitives. And I really appreciate the mentorship with Norm because to me, he's the top of the top, if you will. He was the person actually who brought Callan Mason to the forefront of medical intuition. And he really inspired the process of bringing the information forth in a way that was very medically oriented. Therefore, I have the ability to really co- collaborate and cooperate with other MDs and so forth. That's been a great assistance in my in my practice. I've always, you know, really enjoyed collaborating with therapists and doctors and physical therapists and so forth. And his level of understanding, Norm's favorite quote is, intuition is the future of medicine, which is a pretty pretty big statement, I guess, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Especially from a neurosurgeon, right? Right. <laughs> It's a fabulous quote. Um, Did he ever tell you why he uses that quote? I think that one of Norm's major focus, obviously, in life has really been bringing together what really is energy medicine, which is all of it, which is the allopathic as well as non-traditional modalities. Um, and, And I think that he really wants to educate the population to understanding what mind-body medicine really is and what holistic medicine really means and that's all of us and therefore into using intuition in a in a process and in diagnostic process and the healing process is very much a part of incorporating all of that really understanding not just from a western model version of the symptoms but really looking at the whole picture and the way we look at the whole picture is through having that medical knowledge and at the same time having the ability to be in the intuitive process 
and really tuning into the emotional body, the spiritual body, as well as the physical body and the lifestyle issues as well, of course. It just shows you that you have this this window of of scope into an individual, but yes, when you look through it, through the scope of their life, you can get this amazing story of how their whole environment works around them. Exactly, and how they dance in their environment. Yeah. Functionally and dysfunctionally, yes. It must be interesting for you to witness the, the dance of their environment through energy or conversation. It is very much so, and, and it's interesting in, in my practice, I, I really spend a lot of time listening. I'm sure you do as well when you're doing your work. And obviously, you know, these interviews and sharing practitioners around the world with others is about your capability to, to listen, to you know, ask those questions. But it is really interesting when I have someone in, in my office who's telling the story, but at the same time, you're getting the underlying story. And you're also seeing how that life, you know, their their lifestyle, their family structure, their relationship is so interwoven into their health, well-being and joy and the lack thereof. Does it frustrate you when someone comes in with this list of problems and you, you have to bury them out of the surface to identify who they really are? Well, the question you asked me was, was that frustrating? I think rather um, for me, that's part of my job. It is to help support them and to help support them in a way that helps them to access their own innate healing ability, to access their own insight and wisdom. Does that make sense? It, it sure does, yes. As an intuitive working in the medical field, are you getting nudges throughout the client or how does it work? It works in a lot of different ways. Uh, in terms of how I receive information, is that what you're asking there? Yeah. So often, uh, just when I initially meet someone, and I work long distance as well, so it could be voice only, but when I'm listening to a person, I'm really listening from that deeper place, and while I'm looking at them and listening to them, uh, I receive nudges, as you would say, of one sort or another. And then I go to the table, and when I'm doing energy work, um, really allowing myself, I'm really inviting the process of being guided to where the energy might be. There might be distress or disease in the body of one sort or another. And I'm really careful to to be in a place of receiving information however it comes. So people often ask me that question, you know, how do you see, how do you hear, you know, and so forth. Often being more open to receiving the information however it comes, comes more from the voice of the client, comes more from their language and how they might actually receive that information rather than me having one particular way or another that I receive information. Kind of like you're describing the, the string and at the end of the string is the cheese and they're bringing wherever that, that string goes. Mm -hmm. And when I teach, um, I teach a workshop called To See the Unseen, which I love to do. And I teach doctors and nurses and, 
you know, energy practitioners and therapists and so forth. I, I really have that intention and focus. I don't ever teach how it is that I see because that doesn't, you know, that's not useful to anyone. I really help people find their own personal signature. And a lot of people might say, well, I, I sort of get information in my body for instance, you know? And then I say, well, let's look further and see if there are other ways to expand that, receiving that information rather than just, you know, your knee hurts when your clients, you know, has some sort of a, a joint issue or something like that. So when I teach, I really go about it from helping them find their own voice and the way that they particularly see best which is often rather fascinating and surprising to, to all of us. When you teach doctors, do they have a, a different experience or view while you're teaching them? Well, I really, I really love teaching health professionals, nurses and doctors. First place that they're open to being, you know, to having some guidance. And I always, I mean, there's no one there who ever comes to a workshop of mine who isn't already, you know, very intuitive. Especially, I think, in doctors, it's a little bit, you know, outside because they're, they're trained to have the answers and to have the answers with scientific evidence. <laughs> and they're doctors that I, I've talked, or nurses that I've, I've worked with or taught, who found themselves getting all kinds of information in their practice, but they don't know what to do with it. You know, and it's mystifying to them, and then they don't know how to communicate it. And in just, you know, little by little, you know, showing them how they can incorporate that, not to eschew their own good medical diagnoses and lab tests and other ways of getting information for their patients, but how to, uh, to really see that patient from a much more holistic perspective and often find that the medical professionals really appreciate having a different way of incorporating the emotional issues that might be involved, that might not be evident otherwise. Are there ways of incorporating a, a holistic way into a, a medical world that is so scientific? Well, we hope that more and more of that is, is occurring. And we hope there more and more of people like the great pioneers, of uh, the Seagulls and, and Bensons and Sheelys of our country, and I know that there are many in yours and in Europe, that there are more and more who are understanding that there is a certainly a broader perspective. I think the other thing that's coming uh, about more and more that sort of puts it in the perspective of, of course, how can you not include the enormous stress that we all live in, in this world and the chaos and what we deal with every day. We have scientific research that says something like 92% of all the people who go to a family doctor for a condition, 92% of those conditions are stress-related in some way. And doctors, I think, are no longer ignoring, you know, or not uh, able to really include uh, just the enormity of, of the, the stress and environmental issues and family issues that are involved in, in general health general health care. Wow, that's a huge statistic to be able to present, but yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And it just shows you how, how important stress provides to the individual if it's that high through, through stress. Mm -hmm. And now our environmental issues are so huge, you know, between pollution and EMFs. And uh, I see and hear about clients all the time who have very mysterious symptoms that nobody can diagnose. And you, you know, go investigating uh, what their uh, environment is like. Well, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm on a computer at work for eight to ten hours, and then I go home and the TV's on for four hours in the evening, and then I have two um, or three portable phones in the house, and then I have two or three mobile phones and laptops in the house. It just goes on and on, and nobody has ever even thought about asking them about their EMF exposure. So the environmental aspects now are, are very important and and uh, very overlooked, if you will. Yeah, like like with stress, you can go and exercise. There's so many elements of stress that you can identify and fix. So probably with EMF and computers and technology, it's probably harder to have a system of breaking the the aspect through your own health. Absolutely. And so unavoidable, you know, for a lot of people who travel a lot or in airplanes a lot, who are literally on their computers at work and at home for 10 or 12 hours a day sometimes. Would you have any advice for anybody that has this battle between, you know, health and technology? I think that any sort of stress management techniques are very valuable and very helpful as well as literally you know doing practical things like turning off your computer when you're at home taking a break you know having time in the morning for meditation for other stress management techniques for your exercise for doing your yoga there are you know lots of ways that we can think about being unplugged uh, it is really an addiction and it's hard for, you know, our young people are growing up with their phones attached to their ears, you know. They're tiny little ones who are carrying around iPads in their laps, in their strollers, you know. <laughs> I think, you know, being disciplined, you know, taking breaks away from the vices every day and of being in nature and using grounding techniques of putting feet on the earth is one very important one and very simple one barefoot on the grass which you can do even in a city um which really resets the uh, resets the nervous system and and supports the adrenals um good food good nutrition good water all of those things certainly help but unplugging, you know, is just something that has to be done in order to, to really maintain long-term health, I think. How does stress affect the neurological or nervous system? In so many ways, um, our, our vagal nervous system, our endocrine system, our master systems, if you will, and stress um, interrupts all of the, that communication and erodes those networks in a way that sometimes can't be recovered. Our health of our adrenals, for instance, is so crucial and critical. And, and often, you know, people who have 
a lot of stress in their lives. Their adrenals are literally offline. And if they don't work, nothing works. You know, your neuromuscular system, your thyroid, your cardiovascular system all has to work from a healthy uh, endocrine system and nervous system. The way I see stress in the body often or initially with a patient is the, mm, the nervous system itself just feels completely off balance as if it's offline. And, it's, and this is, you know, one of the beauties of, of energy medicine is really supporting that system and, and coming back online and giving some stress management tools and techniques to help as well. What does it feel like when something like the adrenals are offline? That's an interesting question because it feels different, I guess. You probably have had that experience as well with, you know, each individual. It, there's just a feeling of, of imbalance, um, disconnect. It's almost like, you know, we are all energy. That's all we are. And it's a matter of, um, in the simplistic way of, of saying that, it's like when an electrical system, there's something that is disconnected or interrupted. And it's up to me to kind of discover that particular place. And I'm usually just, you know, directed to that in some way or another and work along with my client and asking questions and so forth in, in, in a gestalt kind of way to see how we might be able to, to recover or reconnect. Uh, and that's both distress and disease, emotional distress and disease usually shows up kind of in that way, in the way of either something feeling depleted, for instance. I use the word offline because it's just as if there's very little energy or pulse available in that particular system of the body. We've identified that the adrenal is offline, that you, you start to introduce energy. Is there any other um, modalities or herbs or whatever you bring to help the adrenals get back from zero oh absolutely yeah absolutely uh adaptogens are are really wonderful and herbs and adaptogens are are very important in the process and and there are certainly lots of good choices uh, of course you know always individual to the to the client to the patient themselves good nutrition in general, uh, less processed foods and um, and those kinds of things, and good water and so forth uh, as well. But there are lots of other modalities that assist. Uh, I would say the primary one, of course, being acupuncture. That's really helpful in, in reconnecting those meridians and energizing those areas of the system that have been in some way or another. Why is acupuncture so important? It's a way of really um, reconnecting energy lines, energy systems, meridians that have either been in disease process or stress or, or trauma of some sort. Um, and it really is a very you know, holistic modality that does a good job, I think. And often using acupuncture and energy work together is, is often a very powerful mix as well. Why is it a good combination? Just because they're both energy or? Because they work a little bit differently, but they, I think, work collaborative very well. 
Um, oftentimes, and it really depends on what kind of acupuncture. Some acupuncture is basically symptom based uh, and then you have energy work to go along with it that may be more inclusive of the whole you know mind body system lifestyle and so forth so I think it's a good combination for for many things situations do you use adaptogen herbs in your in your practice I have a lot of information and knowledge about supplements it's not an area that I'm certified in So what I often do is I I can make a recommendation, but I usually do it by inviting my client to research it on their own and maybe do some muscle testing to really see if it's, it's right for their particular situation. Versus me, I'm, I'm never been in a position that I want to quote prescribe supplements. So I'm giving them, I'm educating them instead. I think it's probably the best way to say it. And then they say, oh, yeah, I've been, you know, reading about that or or I, you know, go into the Internet and I read about it and it sounds like just the right thing for me to try. Really inspires them as well. That empowers them to take that investigation on themselves rather than a practitioner just telling them you should take holy basil or whatever, you know? Yeah, it just shows you that it's as important as the client doing their own investigation as on top of your own. Exactly. And I often teach people how to uh, muscle test themselves to go along with that so that that gives them an added way of working with supplements that they're using. Which is an even better way of saying, oh, I took that, that worked, whatever, you can just say, nope, yeah just by your muscles which is cool and you guys invented this because it was it came from great britain from twigging no way yeah <laughs> wow it originated yeah you originated it and it was called twigging and it's still called twigging by some people <laughs> the original yeah original was was twigging or dowsing and then it then it was applied to as you know as kinesiology to to the body itself wow with all the people you've hung around with and met through the medical intuitive world what have they taught you i'm always fascinated in meeting other practitioners and everybody has kind of their own way of working and their own personality and some people come from very different metaphysical perspectives if you will so I'm always fascinated and I'm particularly, I think, fascinated by the language. There are some people who are medical intuitives who just use their own kind of language to communicate what they're seeing. And there are others like myself who are very much want to use more medically oriented classifications. So it's always interesting to meet other practitioners and just, we're all different, you know, none's better than the other. It's fascinating to see how other people receive information and what language they use. It shows you how, how people interact with each other, which is kind of, kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if you see something that that person does excellent, do you apply it to your, and try to apply it to your own um, bag of tools? Oh, I think so. Sure. I think I'm always inspired by other people and I'm certainly inspired by my clients as well. They always teach me 
And so, yeah, you have a, a little gym shown to you and you go and test it out for yourself and see if it's something that, you know, a way of working that, that might inspire your practice. So, sure, always open. Oh, yeah, definitely. Always has to be open for new and better things out there. Yeah. Probably with research papers coming out explaining this is better, that is better. Do you read them and apply them to your practice? In terms of what kinds of... Is there a aspect you'd like to take and apply from reading re- research papers to your clients? I think probably I'm, I'm pretty medically oriented and so often just understanding more and more how systems work, uh, what stealth microbes do what to what systems, how, you know, certain uh, research may come along like we were just talking about, uh, about environmental factors and how that might be helpful for my clients to know or to be aware of or are concerned about. Sure, any, you know, information uh, in that regard helps to expand my understanding and it helps me to understand sometimes what I'm seeing. I may see something that I, or have a sense of something that I don't fully understand until I go back to, you know, a medical body of work or research and then, oh, okay, that's, that's how that works. Like for instance, one of the things that I'm teaching myself is I'm teaching myself how to identify neurotransmitters and so the uh, the more i you know read about neurotransmitters and and new ways that science is looking at them then the more i can apply to oh that's what it is (laughs) that's what that means you know have you figured out a way to apply it yes i have i've had some really interesting um had some really interesting experiences, yeah. How are you trying to do it through muscle testing or energy or? No, just doing energy work. I just have my hands on their head and, and I go from there. That also helps because I have had several people in my practice in the last couple of years who've had some sort of TBIs and that sort of taken me to that next place. And I want to understand the, the I want to understand the brain and what happens to the brain when it's in, in you know when it's injured. The brain injury is a unknown territory, but yes, it disables someone because it's they're like their uh, fuse box of the body. Mm-hmm. And so interesting, so fascinating to me. There's so many people who've been suffering all kinds of strange things for many, many, many years and have had cognitive impairment and have had difficulty in school and have had balance issues and all this and nobody you know they've been to a mazillion doctors and and nobody has asked them or discovered and you know i put my hands on their head and i first time i meet them and i said did you fall off a horse when you were seven and they went oh yeah i did (laughs) and then we can go from there you know we have some information that you know in all those years since decades that's never been even investigated and it isn't just the physical trauma to the brain there's a very big emotional component to having a fall like that and the, especially as a child not knowing if you're gonna live or die or 
somebody is going to come and rescue you. I mean, there's, there's a huge complexity to uh, investigate there. What kind of emotions happen when someone has a brain injury or trauma? Well, I think in any injury, especially child, not necessarily just brain injury, I often see a very important imprint. It could look like, for example, no one was there. Or it could look like my mother told me I should never cry. Uh, my mother wasn't there. There was nobody to help me. Uh, I had to go back to school right after school. There was a decision made about the self at that young age as a result of that imprint that affected everything in their lives from that point on. And discovering that and investigating that and unraveling that, not fixing it, but you know, bringing awareness to it brings enormous healing and transformation because one person gets to see that they made a decision about themselves and how they were, are related to from not being taken care of at a time like that. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. It must be interesting for the client because they spent all these years going on by but never realized that at seven I fell off a horse and I my body memorized it and just kept going it must be some huge click for the individual right. later on it also teaches the nervous system that you know okay then we just have to you know drive drive and we just have to over adrenalize and we just have to grit our teeth and and just keep going and so that that taught us and taught the nervous system to respond in that way can we teach the nervous system to do anything oh sure we can unravel i guess is the best way of saying that we can investigate you know those those places and times in our in our history and we can uh, we can certainly retrain and heal lots of aspects of ourselves including our nervous system a good example is is um you know a person who's lived most of their life uh, in an over adrenalized sympathetic nervous system always on you know hypervigilance you know that's a good example right and have lived their life so much that way that they of course then became someone who was really good in emergencies who really good at taking care of everybody else and was you know never really even knew what it was like to really relax or let the body you know come back to stasis and then you know how many decades later they find that adrenals are fried and their uh, immune system is compromised or whatever. I believe we can heal anything and everything or retrain, repattern anything and everything. I, I think so too. It's just how, how do you go about doing it through a system of healing? That's this, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and this is what, you know, I have a bias, of course, but this is what's the beauty of, of intuitive energy is, first of all, we have to identify it. We can go through, you know, our whole lives and not remember because we had automatic amnesia. Not remember we fell off that horse. It was too traumatizing at the time. The psyche wasn't developed well enough to even be able to begin to process that almost died. You know, 
if if you met someone on the street and they said, you know, is there one piece of advice that you could give me that could benefit my life, what would it be? That's an interesting question. <laughs> oh, I think for health, well-being, and joy is really a sense of self, is really being present and being with oneself in a very loving and compassionate way, finding ways to be okay with themselves and with the moment. Because if we are present and we live more often in that present moment, that's where our wisdom is. That's where our healing can arise from. I really think a lot of healing has to do with our own personal sense of ourselves and our relationship with ourselves. It sure does. It's how we look at each individual through themselves. And I think that's one of the, I think that happens to be, you know, a focus in my practice because so many people were told from the time they were little that it was wrong to pay attention to themselves or that it was selfish or you only took care of others. I believe personally in what I call healthy narcissism, you know? Remind ourselves first, we take care of ourselves first. It's like, you know, in the airplane, the mother has to put the oxygen on her face first before she gives it to the baby. If we give to ourselves first, then we can be in the world and we can be of service. Yeah, we, we must look after ourselves first and people second. But our cultures have not always taught us well in that regard, don't you think? Totally agree. From childhood and adulthood, we're not educated to look after the holistic aspect of individuals themselves. Mm -hmm. Where can we find you? My website is www.lenarosesite.com. That's L-E-E-N-A-R-O-S-E site s-i-t-e dot com and whatsapp by plus one four three four three oh five six eight one five um whatsapp anywhere in the world and email is lena rose miller at gmail and that's l-e-e-n-a-r-o-s-e-m-i-l-l-e-r at gmail.com Lena, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing what you got to share. Oh, well, thank you. It's been my pleasure, Erin. I really appreciate it. And I am absolutely open to invitation to anywhere in the world. If anyone wants to sponsor me to come and do workshop or offer sessions in their clinic or in their office, I'm just be delighted to have that conversation with anyone. And I also love mentoring other practitioners whether they be acupuncturists or energy workers or health professionals of any sort. So love to do that as well. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sansit.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join Sansit Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.